Hey, everybody. I'm Kelly Ellers. I'm Jeffrey London. And this is Volume Up by the Tees. So in the Midwest, spring has sprung, my friend. Congrats. Mm-hmm. Congrats. It never it's left like here. The, but... Yeah, right? <laughs> it's like the shedding of the skin. My cardinals are out in their cardinal feeder. By the way, I have two because cardinals are something my grandma loved. And so whenever they fly around, I'm like, there she is, that dang grandma Ann. She's there. That's very sweet. Well, I'm glad for you. I'm happy, especially because you all had a lot of snow, like a lot of cold weather, nastiness. It wasn't for the week of heart. I mean, it's not like we were going many places. (laughs) (laughs) So we hope we're on the upswing. So that's where we're at. Hey, we had some listener mail and Uh I checked the inbox. I got there before you. Mm. And, and the mail said that on, a, I think it was two episodes ago, you and I just didn't have the same energy as we always do. So I don't know what was wrong with you that day, but. That's tough to hear. <laughs> uh, I mean, geez, I feel like, you know, we've got to do our best. We're leveling up. I'm I know. caffeinated as all get out right now. So I know. let's hope. I saw you sipping. That... <laughs> always. But let's, <laughs> let's hope that this listener feels differently after today's episode. Yeah, send us, an, send us a note. Mm-hmm. Let us know. So if you liked our interview with the Stephen Moody of Wella Professionals, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review, and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and the TikTok at Read the Tease and send in questions to volumeup at thetease.com. And that's to you, to our listener. You tell us our energy level today because, again, Jeffrey's caffeinated. And on today's episode... You know, you guys are really going to enjoy this. We talked with Mickey Wright, host of the podcast, Beauty Superstars, on the amazing work that she's doing to provide a platform for Black voices in the beauty industry. So, so important. We love her. We love what she's all about. And you guys are going to love her after today's interview. It's a great one. Before we get there, we've got a lot to talk about. I feel like we have a lot of rants and bones to pick this week. I don't know. Tis the season. Why not? Right? (laughs) 2021. Let's let her rip. Uh, Kelly, what's up first for you? Okay, so we're in award show season, and I know that like the Grammys was like partially distance and people here and there. And then before, some of them are at home. So if you're at home for the awards show, (laughs) here is my question. Do you dress up or do you just pull the hoodie pandemic mode? Like, what are you doing? Like, you got to dress up. You got to do it for the show, right? Like, it's, I guess. we want, we want fantasy. No, I want, fa- I want escapism. <laughs> I don't want to see yeah. you in your, like, sweats, Jason Sudeikis. Like, level up. No. And you know what? I looked at that hoodie because everyone's like, what was this hoodie? And oh. it was, like, his sister's fitness studio. And that was, that stuff was sold out in, like, minutes, they said. Which, of course. I mean, hey, she had to be happy about it. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you're going to do it that way and you're like plugging somebody, then I'm aligned to that. But he's not in a good way, you know, with the whole Harry Styles (laughs) thing. And so maybe he just all he could do was pull it together with the hoodie. I mean, it's entirely possible. It did not look like he expected to win. So that would probably explain (laughs) the hoodie. Um, But no, I'm all about like dress like Zendaya has been doing a lot of stuff from like she's bringing it. Like, come on, like. Just match. In the backyard. Match the take room. a picture. You're good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Speaking of Harry Styles on the Grammys, mm. I mm. love that his look was inspired by Clueless, the movie. Did you catch that on the internet? I mean, I saw lots of stuff about Harry Styles mm. on the internet post mm. this, but yeah, I did. And the, I mean, the bow was incredible. Custom leather Gucci. Like, come on. Mm. It was, so, it was, it was beautiful. Big Truly. Fan. I mean, and if you're not, you're you're listening to the wrong podcast, damn it. Yeah, get out of here. Oh no, just kidding. We take we'll take all opinions. <laughs> um, okay. Also, I've been thinking about, you know, I have this text thread with my friends that every day or every other day we share something that we're loving, like, oh, just bought this last night. And it could be something really small, or it's mostly small little things that just bring you joy. So we are officially in a year in the pandemic, a year or more. At this point, what is the one thing that you bought this last year that has brought you insurmountable joy? I don't want to say it because it's embarrassing, but it's the Peloton. It's the Peloton bike. Oh, I I like genuinely am. I'm about it. I'm about the cycling life. I who's your instructor? (laughs) Who's your go to? Hannah Frankson. Okay. A deep cut. I feel like 
Uh, so I'm usually on the times versus the music. So I'm like yeah. a 20 to 30. 45 mm-hmm. is like a, I don't know I if I can do that. I paid you for a 15 minute kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I mean, Kelly, that's on brand. That That is truly like where my heart is. But I'm like, oh, I got to challenge myself mm-hmm. a little bit. So 20 is like do where you, I'm mostly at. Do you wear your Crocs or do you clip in? <laughs> no, I, I, clip, I clip in with terribly unfortunate Amazon. They're like, I, well, I hate it. The, the stress. We've talked about this in the podcast. Mm-hmm. The anxiety of clipping in and clipping out is you know, it's a fraught relationship that I've got with the bike that I still love. But I bought these really terrible, like tragic rainbow ombre shoes oh, no. because yes, they looked decent. They looked mm-hmm. okay on on Amazon. Turns out they're not. Um, Wait, but are, enough the about clips me. Uni- are the clips universal? I had to get special things and like screw them oh, into it's a it's a no. moral of the story. Buy the shoes that you can get through Peloton. Yeah. We bought the shoes because I yeah, thought it was like a, you got to have the shoe That's, or it's not going to clip in and the so whole thing. When your wife is a doctor who does too much mm-hmm. research, like you find all of these loopholes of like, oh, well, you could save it. But like, all right, buy the shoes, buy the shoes. Long yeah. story short, okay. Peloton is my thing. What about you? All right. What is your fave pandemic? Purchase? Okay, so I have a thing with like really white teeth mm-hmm. um, and I always have and I've whitened my teeth since. I was in college and like with the trays, the stuff, mm-hmm. like the legit mm-hmm. way. So, and I was like, I want to go shades lighter, but it's just not getting there. So I, you know, those <laughs> things you see, you know what I'm talking about. You know, I bought it. Wow. Bought it. Your teeth are dazzling white to be clear. So it's working. It is. It's a beautiful shine okay. for everyone. It is the snow teeth whitening and you literally plug it into your iPhone and it lights up blue. It's like a blue light. I'm telling you, I did it like two or three times and my teeth were whiter than a piece of eight and a half by 11 paper. Kelly. It's so good. I've told everyone. So, you know, now, you know, now, you know, the people that look ridiculous with the blue lights on the teeth on the Instagram, (laughs) they're winning in life. And you can be one too. Kelly, we just need a <laughs> discount code. If you could hook us up with that, that's really I know, right? Um, I feel like incredible. we should get one. So there you go. You this have the sponsored. Peloton. I've got the white teeth. And we are Boom. ready to hit 2021. <laughs> We're ready to get vaccinated, baby. We have places to be. Bicycles to ride. <laughs> yeah. News to break. Speaking yeah. of places yeah. to be, things that are going on. The teas. Thetease.com, your destination for all things hair, beauty, culture. Our editorial team has been killing it, as they do all the time, to uncover industry news, diving into brands that you don't know, but you should. And here are our favorite headlines from the site this week. First up, big news. Big Big news. At the time, we, we were breaking it. It was within like an hour of it happening. It's old news now by the time you guys are listening to this. But Billie Eilish, back to blonde. Boom, 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 boom. Was she ever blonde? Uh, like, like early when she hit the world stage, she was yes, always like green. The, oh, she was at, okay. no at the beginning. And I don't even, I'm not like a Billie Eilish stan. We have them among the editorial staff. Um, but I do know from the jump, had been a blonde, then went oh. blue, then did other stuff, then was the green. And okay. apparently, we got a tip from a staffer, uh, that maybe at the Grammys, she had already bleached the hair and was wearing oh. a wig, you know, anyway. That process of getting that dark, that green and black hair to the level she's at now, ooh, that's mm-hmm. a six month, nine month sort of deal. Mm-hmm. You could have been awake so, for a long time. <laughs> you're not wrong. <laughs> On the tease, we uncover what we were mm-hmm. able to, but we would okay. love the formula to all of our listeners. If yep. you were involved, let us know. But the let blonde's incredible. She lo- she's like tease. she could walk down the street and you'd be like, I don't know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also not a major fan. Like I got a couple of the songs, but then they start to sound the same. But I do love, I do love her new hair. That's a that's a hot take, Kelly. If mm-hmm. ever um, mm-hmm. somebody wrote on the internet that she created blonde, I mean, like that's the kind of impact that we're talking with this oh. hair color. So it's careful. Yeah. They're gonna. Come I want to know her stylist. Let's let's get her on. Let him, her or him. Let's let's 
Let's Come see, on down. stylist. Come on down. Come on down. Exactly. Okay, so All right. Speaking of stylists that I love, Sam Via, we interviewed him a couple months ago. He is just a wonderful, wonderful man. Um, and, you know, he talks on the T's education pre and post pandemic. You know, mm-hmm. how are we changing and ad- adjusting education to meet needs from business to technique? Because it's going to change a lot, like, and it's going to change week to week. So he breaks it down for us on the T's.com. Love that. Sam's the best. Uh, one other thing on the site that I'm really into, uh, despite not having any real interest in using the product, I just feel like it was so well done, uh, is a brand story about Tower 28, which is a clean, sensitive skin cosmetics line. Uh, this is a brand story about how it came to be, the product offerings. I just thought it was really well done. It made me really into the packaging. So Kudos to the team there for that one. And if you're into clean beauty and if you've got sensitive skin, you should probably read it and check them out. All right. Sounds good. As always, so much going on at thetease.com. Thank you to our incredible, hardworking editors. We're proud to publish the stories that salon pros and consumers care about. And next up, our interview with Mickey Wright, the one and only salon business coach, podcast hosts. She does it all, truly. Uh, You guys are going to love her just as much as we did. Uh, Hope you enjoy. Mickey is a stylist, salon owner, business coach, and now podcaster. She's been recognized and featured in many publications, including on thetease.com, Her podcast, Beauty Superstars, features Black beauty bosses each week to tell their stories and to better support the salon professional community. Today, we are joined by Mickey Wright. Mickey, how's it going? Going great. Going great, definitely. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining us. We're going to talk to you about a million different things. But the first thing that we want to get started with is what we ask everybody, which is, how did you get started in beauty? Well, um, it's an interesting story because I grew up around it. My mom's a hairstylist and uh, she went to school actually when I was uh, about six weeks old. And um, then after she had my second sister, my sister that's next to me, it's like she stopped for a while and went back when I was about 12. And um, I was, you know, a model sitting under the dryer with rollers uh, in my high chair. Uh, (laughs) A story we know very well. (laughs) But um, I really never thought about going into the industry. When I was a teen, I would go with her to some of the uh, hair shows. You know, we'd go mm-hmm. to, I was from, I'm from Detroit. We'd go to Chicago for the, um, the Chicago show is what we always called it, but I guess it's America's yes. beauty show now. Yep. 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 But um, yeah, it's like, it was always fascinating and a lot of fun and all of that, but I still never thought about it. And it was really a crazy turn of event that put my whole career in motion. Um, I was working while I was going to school and coworker liked the way I kept my hair and she asked if I might be able to do her daughters. And so I was like, I probably could. So I did them and she has the type of husband that like hates everything, just, you know, really negative. And he was like, oh my God, that's a precision cut. You should just quit your job and do this. And it was like, what? So I talked to my mom and she's like, you know, definitely don't quit your job, but, you know, check out cosmetology school and see if you like it. And from there, I fell in love with it. So <laughs> so even though you didn't think you were going to, you wound up in the salon professional industry. What do you love most? I mean, you just talked about sort of falling in love with haircutting, but like talk to us about that experience. Yeah, well, to be honest, it's like right now I, I've stopped doing hair um, in August of 2019. So kind of before the pandemic, but I had a very long run. Everything fascinated me about it. My early career was at a hundred and probably 150%, you know, it was eat, breathe, sleep, hair. So hair cutting, coloring, classes. Um, (laughs) I love working with the clients. Of course, it's like I was known for my finish stylings and that's what I ended up starting teaching with fabulous finishes. It was more of a strategic approach to hair design and um, I did competitions, I did photo shoots, I, you know, worked with other folks as, you know, assisting them, they were my mentors, and, you know, I wanted to be on, on platform at some point and educate, but I knew first and foremost, I really wanted to be a salon owner, so I found a great salon and someone to mentor me, because um, I wasn't in the same city with my mom, and um, was able to realize that dream. Congratulations. And what was that process like? I mean, it's one thing to sort of come up in the industry to take on hairstyling, coloring, et cetera, by yourself, but then to be the owner. I mean, like that is a 
a step. Uh, it's certainly a lot of stress, a lot of pressure. Was it a natural evolution? What was the day where you're like, I'm going to open my own place? What, what did that look like? Well, I knew, I guess I knew in school that I wanted to open my own salon. I knew that I wasn't ready to open my own salon. Mm -hmm. and that was why I really took my time to find a mentor who would help me to get ready to be able mm -hmm. to, to go through that process. I had watched my mom and she had, I mean, tons of things that I've learned from and with probably without even knowing I was learning, but um, I did have um, a mentor that I worked with for about two years um, through my early struggles as getting started as a stylist. That was really tough. Um, and, you know, he's just this iconic role model. It's like really when I was interviewing at different places, everyone was like, well, I started with Sali. And I was like, who is this guy? How do you spell his name? You know, <laughs> and, um, you know, he was responsible for about the top 10 salons in the area had started with him. And so he taught me a lot. And then the salon that I moved to next um, had a female owner, a husband and wife team, but um, she was fantastic. The operation was, you know, just, you know, high end and in an area where we were like the only black salon and the talent that came out of there. Um, some of you guys may know Shirley Gordon. It's like we were co-workers there. And um, there, everyone was at that same level <laughs> and actually in both places. So I really had a lot of great people around me to help learn, you know, and when I first went in, I was just like, okay, who can I assist? You know, <laughs> I don't have any clients, so who can I assist? And, and uh, so that was, was a lot of preparing me for it. And, you know, I knew that I wanted to do it. And so I think it was about three to four years into my career was when I opened the salon. What was that like? I mean, the capital, how the heck did you get that together? I mean, the name, the branding, I mean, there's so many components of it that Absolutely. you maybe don't think about going into it, but that you're suddenly presented with. So talk to our audience about what that was like. Yeah, well, my first salon, it was already a salon. So I was getting it from a, um, you know, from another salon owner and it was already decorated. So there were a lot of pluses with what I was doing. The there was still capital needed and I didn't have much capital. And so around that time, and I'm probably dating myself, but um, Spike Lee was doing like some of his first movies and he was like, he financed them with credit cards. So I was like, mm -hmm. okay, that's probably what I should do. <laughs> and so that was kind of what I did. And, you know, of course I tried to keep everything as low as possible and uh, keep the debt down, but it was a big help um, because I was young black female and going into a bank was pretty much not an option. <laughs> Unfortunately, things are improving. Still room for improvement. But yeah, I mean, the hustle's <laughs> real. So and congratulations. Yeah. I mean, you talked about this briefly, um, in terms of your wanting to have a platform, you have the platform now. So you've transitioned from styling and from being the salon owner to being a business coach, specifically for the salon professional industry. Right. How did that come about? And you talked about mentorship, what are the keys to being a mentor yourself? Well, definitely, I think the personal experience um, and, and definitely the desire to, to help and make a difference. Um, business isn't as sexy as, you know, people don't <laughs> gravitate toward it like they do. Like, oh, I want to go to the haircutting class. Oh, I want to go to the oh, color oh. class. <laughs> like, oh, there's a business class, you know. <laughs> so it's yeah. definitely not as, you know, attractive. But um, I am very passionate about it. It's like I've had lots of experiences. Um, I didn't share, but um, I sold that salon about a year later. I, I actually wasn't planning to, but I got made an offer that I couldn't refuse. And I sold that salon. And some, right. several years later, I was doing a lot of educating and I opened a small salon just to have an, a receptionist who could mail out. Uh, I was doing videos at that time, selling videos. And so I would do my whole day's work and then go home and address video orders. So I was like, if I could just get a space and do that, that would be great and have someone do that during the day. So when I went home, I'd be at home. And so that salon actually quickly grew, like we outgrew the space. And um, we were in Salon Today 200 their 200 fastest growing salons for three consecutive years. And we did end up doing an expansion and I ended up being one of the first um, African-American owners of a full service salon and day spa in the country. Definitely had lots of experiences, you know, with the growing the team, with putting systems in place, with, um, you know, managing my clientele and kind of growing out of my clientele because I needed the time to actually kind of steer the, the ship of the salon. <laughs> And um, one of the things I think has, that has always been a challenge for stylists, um, a lot of times when they're new, of course, but also when they're seasoned, um, is, is having a solid clientele and knowing how much money they're going to make next month. 
And so those are the things that I really started with and kind of, you know, have as a core. Let's get you up and running first so that you don't leave the industry, which was, you know, my experience. I did not get started quickly at all. And I was, you know, going broke and not able to pay things. And it's like, I got to leave this because I'm not building up fast enough. And I went and got an office job. And fortunately, my owner allowed me to come in on the nights and weekends until I built up. And I thought that would be about a year later, I'd be able to get back into the salon full time. And in actuality, it took about six months. And so I also teach that doesn't have to take forever for you to build up, you know, and so those are some of the things that make me passionate about the business side of it, because without clients, we're working on mannequins, you know, (laughs) True. <laughs> and we're not making any money working on mannequins. So. They're not paying. Exactly. No, they don't them. tend to pay really well. <laughs> and not so, no. Uh, so, I mean, you, you've talked a little bit about the sort of the, the foundation, um, what brought you to sort of what you're doing these days. Um, why should salon owners in particular look within the industry to folks like yourself versus looking to external sources, people that are outside of salon professional that have more like generalized business feedback? Yeah, well, I guess, honestly, I think both is good, but it's like, there's nothing that beats having that hands-on experience. I mean, exactly. there's, there's no other type of business coach that can tell you the experiences that I've had, you know, and um, like when we did the expansion, when we did, when I did the first salon, you know, the smaller salon, which was actually my second salon, I hired a gentleman, you know, it was a small space. I hired a gentleman who was a contractor and a carpenter and he was a great carpenter, but he wasn't a very good contractor. And so I was like, I could do this, you know? <laughs> and so when we did the, um, the expansion, I was actually my own general contractor. So I learned about construction and bringing things in on budget, on time, all of those things. And, and, you know, you may be able to do it in other industries, but, you know, having all those different pieces in place and making sure that you have what you need um, to really have an effective, efficient salon is a whole nother ball game sometimes. I'm just in shock about the idea of you taking on that general contractor role. Like, not surprised based on what you've explained in terms of your trajectory and knowing about you, but that, I mean, that's amazing. <laughs> Good for you. Like, you got to take it in your own hands sometimes. Uh, yeah. We respect it. In terms of advice, just general advice for salon owners, I mean, we're going to talk about COVID in a bit, uh, which has certainly thrown a monkey wrench into the salon professional industry and specifically hit salon owners really hard. But in good times, um, which, you know, there's fluctuations. Uh, What is your advice, generally speaking? Like, what are things that you find uh, that salon owners can improve upon um, in the experience that you've had sort of all over the country uh, and the world with your your global reach? Yeah, I think there's there's so many, actually. Um, One is really just kind of being prepared, you know, having that mentor, learning from someone who's already been there, hiring a coach, someone who's been there so that you don't spin your wheels or spend so long trying to get up and running. And particularly if you're opening a salon, you know, like, like I was saying with, you know, going in and actually having to build and demolish and do some build out, have someone to, to guide you through that, pay them whatever it costs. Because like, if you have one delay, that's going to cost you thousands of thousands of dollars. You know, if you can't open for 60 days because of one little thing that you missed, how much is that going to cost you? And so thinking about those things, um, systems are another place. And I I guess probably the biggest starting point for me would be definitely having clients, (laughs) having a marketing plan so that you can get more clients because we think everybody's going to follow us, but that's not always the case. (laughs) And sometimes, you know, I know we have the looky-loos where it's like, oh, I'm just going to go over there and check it out and go back and tell all my friends, but but I'm not necessarily planning to go and, and stay with her or him, you know, and so, you know, having a marketing plan so that you can get more clients and the numbers is like, we're not in touch with our numbers. Um, I've been, you know, talking and teaching for a long time. And I ask, you know, how many of you guys know what you're going to make next month? And most of the time, there's just a handful of hands that might go up. There's a lot of I hopes and I think and maybe and it's like, you know, the bills are definitely coming. So it's like, we need to make sure we create plans. And that's through, you know, tracking and seeing where we are, seeing what we need to grow, what areas we need to grow in. And um, I find now, of course, people have a lot of the data on their salon software, on their um, scheduling software, where it's accessible. 
But when I ask them to grab it, they don't even know what I'm talking about. And so we're, we're still disconnected from our numbers and what we need to know in order to actually run our business. So, I mean, let's talk a little bit about COVID. And COVID has sure. highlighted a lot of the issues that salon professionals have experienced. I mean, it's it's brought them to light in a way that maybe it was sort of, as you talked about, uh, you know, people don't want to admit to it. They're not really sure. Um, but there are large widespread problems that we're seeing. Um, and particularly as regards projection. I mean, people opening, closing, closing, opening, can't do this, all of the restrictions uh, has really hampered their ability to support themselves, um, which is a shame. So, I mean, what what are your thoughts on um, what salon owners can do during this ongoing pandemic with sort of the threat of reinfection, et cetera? Um, and then how can individual salon pros, whether they're independent or working with a salon, um, prepare themselves for, you know, the inevitable of this uncertainty? Right, right. Yeah, it's like definitely COVID threw a wrench in everything, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so um, I would say a couple of things with where we go, you know, from here in a sense, you know, again, knowing our numbers so that we can know if we're pricing right, so that we can know that we can put away some money. Not only mm-hmm. do we know what we're going to make next month, but that there's going to be some that we can put to the side because that definitely, you know, was one of those things. Um, I call it run and gun. It's like we've been running gun for so long where it's just like, okay, next, 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 client sits down, client gets up and we're just cranking and it's like, okay, and if I spend all that money tonight, then I'm going back tomorrow and I'm going to mm-hmm. get some more. And so (laughs) it's like thinking like, uh, wait a minute, you know, it's like when the train stopped. Exactly. What was it like musical chairs where it's like there's one less chair than, you know, (laughs) Exactly. wait a minute, something is really wrong. And so just really, um, you know, getting a handle on those things. And those were things that people were like, oh, how do you do this again? You know, what were you talking about? (laughs) And so that's, I think, definitely one of the things um, I think with retail, you know, I did a whole series on Beauty Superstars talk on what we need to do to retail, because that has been a savior for so many people. But as a whole, we still resist it. We don't want to talk to our clients about it. We, you know, don't do it. And it's something that you can do whether you're touching your client or not. And they're needing products. You know, um, one of my coaching clients is, you know, a fairly nice size salon and looking at the retail, I'm like, okay, we're going to look at the percentage of your clients that are purchasing retail in your salon. And it was about 10%. And they're mainly a color salon. So, you know, people need color treated products. They need products, period. It's like, how many of your clients do you think are buying, you know, shampoo and conditioner and all those types of things before they come back and see you in six weeks? Oh, a hundred percent. So there's, where are the other 90% going? You know, what are they doing? (laughs) And how do we start to get more of them, you know, purchasing here? So beyond retail, I mean, retail is a huge opportunity for salon pros. How can they sort of prepare themselves um, in, you know, if it's not COVID, it it could be something else down the road um, to make sure that like their books are secure, as it were. What are other things that they could do to sort of help themselves prepare for, again, the the future when we don't really know what's in our way? Yeah, well, there's definitely still so much unknown. And like you say, this, this, was global. This was, you know, beyond anybody's comprehension, really, that anything like this even could happen. But it's not the first thing that we've Mm -hmm. had to deal with, you know, as a country or maybe even regionally, you know, from talking to different people, there's always going to be something. Looking at ways that you can potentially make money online, you know, which includes the retail, because Mm -hmm. you can ship to people all over the the country, at least, if not all over the world. And, um, Online, if you're interested in education and that type of thing, there's that, you know, applications that can help you get set up to do that, you know, to offer education. There's client consultations, which depending on whatever your specialty is, you could you could consult with people that don't necessarily end up in your chair because they're mm-hmm. in a different area or region. And with the um, the consultations. Um, And even with our spaces, it's like there's things we can do because it's like the government has said you can't do hair, but it doesn't say it can't be a pickup center for for (laughs) other things. And I encourage people to get, you know, some of the PPE that they may have 
exposure to or, or access to um, that their clients may not, or that it may be a tougher thing. You know, it's like, I've got to go to Walmart, I've got to go to Target. And, you know, the Target near me had a sign up of this is what we have in stock. And this, you know, this is out of stock. So you don't have to walk through the whole store, but not all of the stores were set up like that. <laughs> And so if they're coming through, if they know you, it's a small environment and you've got, you know, things like gloves and things like masks and, um, you know, sanitizers and all of that kind of stuff that they can just pick up and go or pick it up when they come for their appointment. That's additional revenue, you know, without you really doing much of anything. Beautifully put. And I think like, love the idea of the community aspect of connecting with people in this way that often you're missing that when you're not being able to do hair, right, um, right. but you know, you could do these things, which are, you know, another way to, to get in touch with your, with your clients. So, I mean, you talked that there were some pivots in your career pre-COVID. COVID has, as you said, and as I've said, thrown a monkey wrench at all of us. It has upended everything that we knew to be the true. Right. Um, so in the process from business coaching, you went into podcasting, which we are super excited about. Uh, so talk to us about Black Beauty Bosses and the goals, your guests. Uh-huh. Talk to us about the whole thing. It's really cool. It's like I've, I've kind of always enjoyed doing interviews and I used to do some when I first started Beauty Superstars. And so um, I hadn't, you know, kind of thought about it through the years or what have you. But then when the murder of George Floyd took place, it was, I guess, personally devastating. It was, I was so sad and so mad kind of all at the same time that I, I, I didn't have words. I didn't have a way of expressing what I was experiencing. And, um, and so I really did nothing for a while. I was really quiet. I wasn't on social media too much. Mm-hmm. And I had been um, previously part of a project that was starting up with um, Ted Gibson with um, Worth Up. And we were just having some conversations, you know, about that, that, you know, it's like everything that happened after George Floyd in terms of the racial tensions in the country really spilled into the industry pretty quickly. In a big way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so we were having some conversations kind of in that little window (laughs) and he was very upset. I was very upset. And so I was like, we need to talk about it. You know, we need to talk to the industry about it and just, you know, be really real. And then in the meantime, all of these other things started coming out, you know, they had the blackout day and that really just seemed like the fire or torch was lit in the beauty industry um, because there were a lot of brands that, you know, put their black and we're standing with you and all of that. And that really wasn't or hadn't been our experience um, for many of us as black beauty professionals. And so there were a couple of, of um, Zoom calls that were put together by a couple people and I was on and invited to, which I'm grateful for. And, you know, it was kind of all top beauty artists and entrepreneurs in the industry and got us all together. Some people I knew, some people I didn't. And, you know, everybody got a chance to kind of tell their story, who they were, what they do, the experiences they may have had, you know, that may have been racist. And some of them, you know, were more heart pulling and more dramatic than others, of course. But um, on that, I left so inspired by the people that were on that call that I was like, I didn't know about a lot of people, you know, there are a lot of people that I did know, but I'm like, all of this is going on and there's no spotlight for it, you know, and there has to be like, these stories have to be shared, have to be told. And so I pretty much immediately pivoted my platform to be able to provide a safe space for black artists and entrepreneurs to be able to share their stories. And because I want to know, like, you know, not necessarily, you know, what happened to you in terms of race or what have you, but how did you get where you are? You know, despite any barriers, despite any, you know, obstacles, you still are at the top of your game and you're, you know, jumping over hoops, raising the bar, you know, living in excellence daily and there's no recognition. And so um, that was the beginning of it. And so Ted was my first guest and we had a really, really great conversation. And during that, I was like, I felt completely at home. (laughs) Like, this is what I want to do. This is what I need to do. And so um, I think that was like the only week, I think I skipped a week or so because I hadn't planned to expand it. Um, But then I just started getting together people. It's like, let's talk about different parts of the industry. And Roderick, I think was my second guest. And we talked about, you know, what's going on in terms of diversity. And it's like, um, with he's in the school arena, as well as being a national educator and had some great perspectives as a black man as well. And then hair color, you know, it's like, I actually met Jessica kid through Instagram, 
you know, and I was like, I just saw her post. I love the way she was curating her page and it's called Black mm-hmm. Colorists Matter. And I was like, you know, and she had already been doing it way prior to this. Um, but I was like, we've got to talk about this because the colorist game in the Black community has been raised so high. So as you can see, I get a little passionate. I've probably gone past and beyond <laughs> what you're as, as we should. I mean, I think that what we are so happy about is that you were doing this. I mean, it is high time for us to talk about the talent beyond the sort of traditional, very narrow scope that the industry has been focusing on. And I mean, there's more than enough room for everyone. We love the mission. We love the guests. And we should be excited. These are stories that should be told. Uh, So congrats to you and to everything that you're up to. We are big fans, which is why we wanted to talk to you. And hell yeah, like we should be excited about the passion and uh, talent that these folks bring to the industry. We're better for it. Uh, the the issue has not been that it's been that people have not wanted to for whatever reason focus mm-hmm. on these things and right. you know 2021 like it's a different ball game um, a lot of what you alluded to in terms of the cause for racial justice has been unsatisfactorily answered by the industry but like there's folks like you that are leading the charge to to make things better and we're all all about it uh, so kudos yeah. to you thank you so much for for your important work and like hell yeah let's keep telling these stories. Well, thank you. It's like, we definitely have um, plenty to come. It's like, I feel like I have about five years of people I want to sit down with. And then I keep meeting more people along the way. And um, next month we're doing, um, let's talk about texture or let's talk texture, because that is the topic that everyone's talking about. And I have some fabulous artists and experts. And um, I'm also thinking of uh, Monet Everett is, has put together combined with Wella and Fromm to do a competition on texture, the texture style awards. And so we are, um, you know, super excited about that. And it's not just, you know, it's like the the code texture being the code for black, mm-hmm. you know, or black hair or what have you, but it's like all hair is texture. And so getting those points across, I think is really um, key. And then bridging the gaps because there are some huge gaps in the education department as far as, you know, how do we handle texture in all arenas? So, and what do we need to do for people to have at least some knowledge of things? Some knowledge. I mean, we love Monet. She's been a guest on the podcast. We've covered uh-huh. her on the tease.com. She talks a lot about folks that are really only focusing on one texture of hair right. and that those folks are hair enthusiasts, but certainly not hairstylists. And we love that. That's the okay. best outlook. And also, you know, um, I just interviewed Diane Stevens and Brenton Lee, and they just combined and did a great uh, training for, um, they're also with Wella. It's like, well, it's doing some good things, um, not to shut out or, or shout out anything in particular, but um, they do have a scholarship for their training that's available. And so we're hoping that will be extended. Um, it was set up for Black History Month, but we're hoping that it will be extended as well. And um, there's some really, you know, good things. I know that Diane is really committed to, you know, making a difference in that arena as well. So there's some for sure. things that are really good on the horizon. Yeah, Wella is making big moves, not to say that others aren't, but they for sure have been making a concerted effort. And we've covered a lot of that on the tease.com. So, I mean, you talk a lot about this on your podcast, um, but I'd love to talk about it here too, which is like, how beyond the Wella of the world, how else can the industry sort of look inward and improve upon itself, particularly as regards making space for and amplifying Black and other persons of color uh, talent. I mean, there's been a lot of talk of doing it, uh, but in terms of making that happen, um, what are your thoughts? Where are areas in which you think that there can be, you know, greater opening for for different folks? Well, there's definitely a lot of room. I actually early on wrote an article um, that was titled, um, Do Black Stylists Really Matter in the Beauty Industry? And I really went through like area by area because it's like, it's so big that I mean, if we don't focus on one area at a time, we're going to just be all over the place. And so right now, nothing's open as far as trade shows, but trade shows have been another area where, you know, we've been in the global texture section. And honestly, it's like I've taught business for uh, more than 10 years. And, you know, with going to, I can say one of the shows, I won't name it. I was put in the global textures section and told that there wasn't room for me in the business section that all of those slots were filled. And I teach business to everyone and it applies to everyone and honestly, every type of business. And so that, you know, is my own personal experience where, okay, why am I in the global texture section again? I'm not teaching anything on texture. (laughs) It's just because I have a black face 
So those types of things, I think, definitely have to change. Even having a global texture section is not needed. You know, it's like it's usually somewhere off in a distant area where you don't, <laughs> you can't find it easily. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. all of the people who are Black are in that area, or maybe, you know, there may be another couple of people who are of color, as you say, um, Hispanic or something else, but usually it's Black. And, you know, it's like if you're teaching cutting, you're teaching cutting. If you're teaching color, you're teaching color and give people the options to go into various classes. It's like, and yes, maybe I do teach color. I mean, cutting on textured hair, or maybe I teach color on textured hair, maybe, but I do everybody's hair. It's like, Mm -hmm. if you have hair and you sit in my chair, you're getting done, you know? (laughs) And if you don't have hair, I'm going to refer you to one of my friends who does hair replacement, you know? (laughs) It's like, there's, there's not um, all these barriers that are, are up um, from, a lot of times from our experience, from our training as educators, um, although I would say not across the board, not every Black person is great with doing all textures of hair, but there's this hesitancy for white stylists to embrace doing it at all. And I think one of the areas that could make a huge change for that is in school. You know, that it's not, I think schools are kind of segregated too. It's like the black people sit over here and the white people sit over here. The black people get the black people that come in and the white people get the white people that come in. And, you know, fortunately I wasn't in exactly that type of situation in school. And I was able to do all textures of hair, which is what I wanted to do. I wanted to learn everything. And um, you want to, there was a guy that was in school and we'd have this argument who was the best, you know? (laughs) Um, but I was like, you know, I'd always top it off with like, well, I am the best because I can do both and you can't. <laughs> Which, <So. laughs> true. I mean, let's be real, right? Like that, I, I, it, it just, it sounds, it, the idea that people wouldn't want to be able to style all, to cut all, to color all is, you know, mm-hmm. such an issue. But it, so. I mean, it's beyond, the, it's beyond the hair. So that's, you know, one of the topics that no one wants to really talk about. You know, it really is the black and white history, the systemic racism, all of those types of things. And even, you know, folks that I know who have won, you know, countless awards who are in various positions, a lot of times they're saying they're not given the stage alone. You know, so if there's a main stage, it's like there has to be someone else that's on the stage with them because, you know, who's going to, I guess, come to see you or how would they carry you know, the stage by themselves type of thing, or that there's just this feeling like someone has to be there. Well, with any luck, we're going to be seeing this momentum of demanding change actually result in meaningful change. And I mean, it's going to be because of folks like you who are really trying to hold people accountable. Um, and we thank you for it. And we are also there in the trenches with you to make this happen because there's so much room for improvement. Let's do yeah. the damn thing already. Like it's 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 high time. But there, there's a, a lack of understanding. And so I think we have to acknowledge that, that a lot of the people who are in these various decision maker positions really don't understand it, like literally don't because it's not in their wheelhouse, it's not in their world. And so everything else is kind of auxiliary to that. And so there've been some that say, we don't understand it, but we wanna see what we can do to, to understand it. And so hopefully that will continue, but we can't, I think, um, there, there is, you know, this saying I see going around, it's like, you know, that it's a problem, you know, that white people have that we should not have to keep explaining. But, you know, basically before George Floyd, which is kind of hard to say because there were so many people who were killed needlessly before him. But um, when everything erupted, it was just kind of like, oh, is there a problem? And so how are we going to ask the people who didn't even know there was a problem to fix the problem? Sadly and beautifully put, um, unfortunately, to that point, I mean, how the hell do we then get folks that don't understand, that don't get it, to get it? I mean, we're on your side insofar as we understand that this is a huge problem. As you said, the situation with George Floyd, tragic, obviously. Unfortunately, there were many more instances before then, um, which also demanded change that didn't result in the same sort of reaction that we saw post his death. How do you think that we can then, beyond like you having your podcast, you talking with us and trying to get this out there, how do we get people to understand that this is a huge problem then that needs to, to be addressed? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's having the communication, you know, sitting down and having conversations. And, you know, it's like, of course, a lot of things go into, you know, the money and that type of thing. And it's like right now, it's like we spend at least, you know, from a Black community standpoint, about two to one. And so there is some accountability that's needed, if nothing else. And so I think that, you know, one of the ways, as I was saying, like with beauty schools, I think you're there for nine or 10 months, you're kind of captive, you're not leaving school, you know, unless you just drop out. Um, And so there's opportunity for people to get to know each other, to have projects that they work on together. And I think as we can get together and see that people pretty much are people, you know, that the stigmas change, the prejudices change, the, the things that keep us separated diminish. They probably won't ever be erased and nor you know, should they? I mean, there's great culture in all of us, but, but I think getting to know people on a people basis is, I think, the answer. Well put. Again, I think we could talk about this forever. And increasingly, I think we ought to be, everybody, uh, again, to keep this change moving. In the interest of time, we're going to wrap this section of it. We're going to go into our quick takes, which is sort of how we wrap every single one of our podcasts. We are so incredibly thankful of you having joined us today, talking about your expertise, talking about your experience with the industry. Um, We want to make sure that you were able to plug everything before we start to wrap. So, Mickey. Where the heck can everybody find you on social, the websites? We want to drop everything in the show notes. So let her rip. Okay. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity to be here and to speak so candidly with you. So, um, and I love read the tea. So thanks and keep up the great work. <laughs> and yeah, um, I love that. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> people can find me. Um, my name is Mickey. It's M-I-K-I. People always want to give me extra K's and such. M-I-K-I-W-R-I-T-H-T. And so just one, um, I can be found um, online um, on Instagram at Mickey Wright, on Twitter, Mickey Wright, on YouTube at Mickey Wright. And that's where all of my podcast visuals, all of the videos are housed there. And Beauty Superstars with an S on the end is my website and um, also launching and everything. So you'll be able to find me at MickeyWright.com as well. And we'll have some things that are coming up always continuing to have the conversations and have the themes. So we've got some really great ones coming up for Beauty Superstars Talk. And um, I did a segment on black hair history. And so I'm gonna be finding space to, to be able to, for those to live somewhere, um, but they're on Instagram right now. We're considering doing like t-shirts or something, um, maybe even more substantial to be able to preserve some of that history. Amazing. We love to see it. We're big fans. We will link to everything in the show notes. So don't you guys sleep on that. Check out those links. Mickey, before we wrap, our quick takes. So these are the same questions we ask of all of our guests. Some of them are more fun than others. We want your immediate reaction to it. Try not to think on it for too long. The first up, bar soap or body wash? Body wash. Okay. Anything (laughs) specific? I mean, there's no right or wrong answer. Clearly, I'm also a body wash person. (laughs) I can tell you since, um, like, I'm allergic to everything. My skin is really sensitive. And when I went to beauty school and I found out about the 5.5 to, you know, 6.5, where the pH should be Mm -hmm. and where most of the bar soaps are and all of that, they didn't have a lot of body washes then. So I used shampoo and I transitioned into body wash. So, and I always read the ingredients. (laughs) Take notes, everybody out there. (laughs) <laughs> okay, beyond shampoo is body wash or your favorite body wash, what is a product that you're loving right now? Could be anything, but let us know because we're obsessed with everything and we're probably going to look it up immediately after. Oh gosh, there's a couple things. Um, Please one let it is rip. <laughs> the Naked Spray, um, which is the Tonic Daily Curl Renew. So I use, use that for my hair. <laughs> and I know you guys can't see, but um, the Clinique Smart Pop Pep Start <laughs> Cleansing. Hmm. And I love the their makeup remover, which is take the day off for Clinique. And um, my skin was just looking kind of not as fresh as I wanted and all of that. And so just started playing around with some different things and I found those. And there's this other cream first aid, I think it is, that I use for moisturizer. And so they've all made a really good difference. And I'm not allergic to them. <laughs> Winning all around. That's, I mean, the minimum it sounds like, but it sounds like you're really happy about that and we're happy for you. Yeah. And of course I'm a product junkie. So I have a whole like bathroom full of stuff. (laughs) You, us, everybody, the good company. We'll say that. All right. So we talked a little bit about COVID. I mean, it put a monkey wrench into everybody's plan. We've got that. We also understood it was unprecedented. Um, 
it really has led to an unprecedented amount of streaming. So mm -hmm. Mickey, what have you been streaming? Okay. Let's see. Um, the morning show. I don't know if you okay. guys watched that oh, with yeah. Jennifer Aniston. Yep. yep. That Great. thing. Can't wait for season two. <laughs> Um, Black AF, that's been really good. And I don't think there's a season two of that quite yet. Rashida and Jones in that series. <laughs> oh my God. Like, just. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Love, love that. Yeah, it's phenomenal. So, um, and then uh, Everybody Hates Chris. <laughs> a classic. Yeah, yeah. And I never saw them. Was, you know, there's so many shows that I never saw because I was at work. The first time around. <laughs> fair, fair. No, so, now's the time to catch up. Yeah, yeah. And the movie The Banker is is phenomenal. And I think it's called I Am Not Your Negro by um, James Baldwin. Mm -hmm. There's a documentary. The doc. and yep. It was phenomenal. We will probably link out to those things too. Okay. There's, all yeah, around. Those were good. Incredible. <laughs> all right. Before we wrap, two more. Real talk, quick words of advice for pros who want to get to the top of our industry or any industry, really. Put yourself in the number two position. Be willing to do whatever you need to do. Um, sweep hair, you know, run and get coffee, whatever it is to get to in the spaces that you want to be in. Don't have to come in as a diva and it's like, oh, I want to do this. I want to be on stage and whatever. Just be willing to do whatever you need to do. And that number two person, so often something happens with the number one. They get promoted, they get moved, they relocate. And it's like, hey, could you step on into this? You know, it's like, sure. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. I've been working. I've been learning. I've been watching. Yeah. Love that. That's a, a fresh take. Last thing before we wrap 2021 predictions for industry. We talked at length about sort of what our hopes are, but like, what do you think is going to happen given all of the craziness that we're experiencing? Lay it on us. Well, I guess one thing I feel like beauty's not going anywhere. It's like <laughs> we saw that through the pandemic. People were like, when can I get in? It's like, are you sure you can't do me now? It's like people want what we offer. And so I think it's really up to us to reposition ourselves and um, put ourselves in a better space so that we're doing more specialized services that are more um, on the higher end of the scale. So it makes it worthwhile because we really are doing fewer people and um, and take phenomenal care of those people that do come in. Mickey, thank you so much for your time. We've treasured it being able to chat with you. Uh, big longtime fans of the work that you've been up to. So thank you for joining us today. We've got a ton of ways to get in touch with Mickey in the show notes. Thank you again. Thank you, thank you. Okay, Jeff. I mean, that was amazing. Mickey Wright, host of the podcast, Beauty Superstars. What a lovely interview and the best podcast co-host I could ask for. Thank you, Kelly. No, honestly, Mickey, so interesting. So much experience, like was a total light to talk to, uh, talking about all of the pivots that she's made through her career. Uh, so many valuable insights for salon pros. I mean, good God, uh, we love her. Think the world of her want to champion her work, yep. which is why you can go to the show notes, check out all of the links to her website, to her Instagram, uh, and keep up to, to what she's up to. Yes, I would love to and can't wait to see what the future holds for her. So be sure to hit subscribe, rate and review and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube and TikTok at Read the Tees and send in questions to volume up at thetees.com. Volume Up is a Tease Media production. This episode was produced by Monica Hickey and Stephen Jodderan. Thank you to our creative team for putting together the graphics for this episode and to Josh Landowski for editing so you can watch and listen on YouTube.